<clears throat> rolling. Extra, extra. This just in. Welcome, Welcome to, to Uncover, Uncover Girl. Girl, the podcast that unpacks the most memorable celebrity profiles of all time. We're your hosts, Ivana Ryder and Beatrice Hazelhurst, ready to unravel and review every culture-defining A-list interview with the help of writers, industry experts, and even the talent themselves. Journalism might be dying, but you better believe the celebrity profile lives on. are gorgeous you have on this table here oh my god thank you they're from trader joe's i also have roses from trader joe's the ten dollar spray the roses the ten dollar spray roses the garden roses i'm a florist look at them i, I know cut the stems. no i can actually tell that you've varied the lengths and that's what makes you a florist wait i didn't do that on purpose wait really <laughs> Oh, well, that's... I cut them all together. They're just... They splayed out that way. They splayed the way they want to display. gorgeous. Oh. They're totally gorgeous. They're like a hot pink fuchsia. Yeah. I went for kind of a vintage color. You know, like the kind of orangey... That's what I did last week. Oh, my God. I had to mix it up. I thought I can't have the same color. I thought you would come over and you would notice. And then you'd be like, are these the same? How dare... Oh, my God. You make me sick. (laughs) (laughs) Throw up into the vase. Okay. You're looking beautiful today. Oh my God. I've just come straight from the gym. I know. That's why I'm so impressed. You've just bought your bridal shoes. Right before we hit record, I revealed to Beatrice that I bought these sort of platformed Mary Janes that are sort of a creamy white color because I've been aware that I need a hundred white outfits now that I'm officially in the pre-wedding planning process. Are you wearing white all bachelorette? Okay. I think I'm going to do the traditional. Do you want penis paraphernalia? I don't think I do. I don't think I do. Everyone has the um, the last penis ever thing, which I didn't know was a thing until I started going to bachelorettes. And it's quite depressing when you yeah. put it in those terms. I also really don't like the straws. I really don't like how um, they look. I really don't like the feel of them. I do not like well, them. Well, nobody likes to look at a penis like even on a good day. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I love that for you. I love that you're going the traditional route. Thank you. Thank you. It, it feels right. Yeah, it feels it feels bridal. But bridal aside, I need to know what's inspiring you. Oh my goodness, what's inspiring me this week? Okay, so <laughs> would you describe me as like a trend setter? Yes. <laughs> no, I was going to say the opposite. A trend follower? No. I, I think you're I a trend setter. No, no, no. I'm you a, like, wearing a, slip. You were wearing slip dresses forty years ago. <laughs> I think I'm a I'm a sheep in styled clothing i think i'm a i'm a quiet sheep i'm a subtle sheep but i followed a trend last night and pretty much every single person (laughs) called me on it almost immediately everyone went this has never happened to me in my life where someone goes are you doing the trend and i'm like that is exactly what i'm doing i'm doing it last night i went to like a fashion event and i wore a leotard over a pair of tights (gasps) that's fun they they were like a three-quarter baby blue tight there were no pants obviously i'm sure it looked fantastic and i actually like that trend i feel like when i saw it on kendall jenner 
I loved it. It's not even necessarily less than what we would normally wear in terms of no, it's scarcity. I say, it's conservative. Like I've never felt more exposed. I was like, wow, the body is out. Mm-hmm. I I had sleeves and a high neck, but I was still like, God, the the body is on all. display. Yeah, I I put a big coat over it, and then I just could not take off the coat. Like I was so tethered to the coat as like an emotional support blanket, and it was a shame because. I did like the outfit. I thought it looked cute. I'm sure it did. But I just didn't have the confidence to to see it through. No, that's okay. I've had evenings like that where I've had evenings like that where you just, there's an emotional support item. And then it becomes the look. Yeah. Unintentionally. Unintentionally. Yeah. 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 I but it, it did inspire me to go off the beaten track. I mean, I cut off these tights for this situation. I was like, this, what I'm doing right now isn't working. How do I make it work? I'm being reckless. I'm being absolutely satorially reckless at the moment, Ivana. I, I'm inspired. Wow. I'm inspired. Jenny Humphrey. <laughs> Slaving over a sewing yeah, machine. I know. <laughs> Tearing shirts apart. Dad, <laughs> just let me go to fashion school. Oh, I felt Dana. to watch that show. <gasps> oh my God, it's like she's here. <laughs> oh my God, where are you, Taylor Momsen? <laughs> oh my God, and I said I was being reckless. Yes, I and know. And that's her band, Pretty Reckless. Pretty Reckless. It's, is that what I triggered for you? Yeah. Oh, oh my God, and even subconsciously, it was the two things together. It was the ripping of the tights and it was the reckless. And I said, oh, where am I going with this? <laughs> Synapses firing off one after the other after the other. <laughs> What is inspiring you? You've had an absolute week. It was a trial. It was a trial of the mind, of the heart, of the spirit. Um, this week, um, SZA closed her SOS tour in Los Angeles. And me and my fiance and one of our dear, dear friends, Al, was going to come with us because we're three party girls uh, when we get together. Yep. And Stephen waited in the crazy Ticketmaster queue. How long ago were you buying tickets? January. Okay, so a good, it was a hot two months. Yeah, or December. Like, yeah, yeah, it was like three a months. Lo- yeah, 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 yeah. Like we've had these tickets. As we all know, Ticketmaster, shuddering, horrible. Everyone is so angry. The Swifties are like all but barging into the offices and taking hostages. <laughs> and so the queue was like 10,000 people. Steven's waiting. And then all of a sudden he gets put through. He finds three seats in like a great section, gobbles them up immediately and texts us and is like, girls, we've got the tickets. We're going. We all got looks on dolled up and so cute we are driving to the venue Stephen like bought parking we are waiting in line in the parking lot and Stephen is like okay did I think I sent you guys your tickets already just like confirm that you have them and we looked and we're like no we don't have them and then he looked down realized somewhere in the queue process you know things were getting bought up immediately and we realized that between the three of us there was one ticket to get into the show completely sold out there were people camping on the sidewalk to see if there would be like a a scalper a spare a scalper and we were like okay al you go in we're- okay so wait to back up a little bit how much should steven spend for this one seven hundred dollars <gasps> so that is why also like no alarm bells went off because if he had gone to the end and it would have been like 200 he would have been like wait there's no way something's on earth wrong that three tickets could be 200 and so we I accepted it very quickly and this is what's inspiring me is like how I you feel, you're inspiring you I'm inspiring your me. altruism your <laughs> selflessness <laughs> no just how quickly the mind accepts I just immediately was like this is done we were never we were never gonna go the tickets never existed me and Steven went home we gave our dog a bath we came back to pick Al up at the venue you didn't go back to pick her up yeah we did because we weren't gonna leave her stranded and finding an Uber at at a stadium show we went That's back to pick so her up far we drove her home half an hour each way yeah half an hour drive it is it is but <sighs> but I feel this shows some growth on my end 
Apparently the show was amazing. Al got us t-shirts and sometimes things aren't meant to be. Have you ever heard, don't pay twice? Something bad has already happened. Don't pay twice by like making yourself miserable. Yes, and, yes. Like, no, I, I heard that about fear. I was skiing for the first time and I was on a chairlift with one of Chris's friends and I was like, I'm not going to lie to you. I am like shitting myself. And he was like, if you are anxious or if you feel insecure or if you're scared, you're just going through the stress twice. Just be afraid in the moment. And I was like, whoa, that is profound from a 28-year-old man-child living in Newport Beach. Wow. That is profound. And that is something to remember. We're recording this in the wake of the MIA episode coming out. And the main takeaway that everyone seems to have had from us revealing that a writer was like severely pissed off with us about a story that we covered is everyone has been like, is Ivana okay? And like, everyone, let the record show I am okay. Yeah, I, I do need gentleness. I do need gentleness generally in my life what it is is I have extremely thick skin like as a result of just growing up in a Slavic family but then if I am the one at fault there's no skin I am Mm. a little baby if I've like hurt someone done something forgotten something but we weren't at fault I know I know the scene from um from Goodwill Hunting yeah it's not your fault you're my Robin Williams I'm Matt Damon who is mentioned in this profile Oh my god, that is this week. Oh, what is going on with us in these incredibly succinct segues? I know. What a transition. There are some cute Boston boys in this profile. The big boys on top. Draw it out. Give us some more clues. Wellness queen. Oh, queen of wellness. You've already given it away. <laughs> Come on. I'm like, blonde. We can edit it so blonde comes first and then wellness queen. Even just the era itself. Like this profile is 2000? Yeah. I think that really says it all as well. Yeah. Because this was a big era for blonde women in general. (laughs) Headline. Today belongs to Gwyneth. Vanity Fair 2000. Our strange and wonderful Gwyneth Paltrow. And you know what? Today still does belong to Gwyneth. Yeah. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow are all owned by Gwyneth. Yeah. Currently on trial for her ski accident. Oh my God. And you're skiing. You just spoke of your skiing. Oh my God. It's all there. Oh, we could have done that. We could have, that could have been our segue. We are getting witchier. I know. By the day. We have, yeah, our little cauldron of predictions often comes true. (laughs) Oh my God. 2000, an absolutely wild year. Destiny's Child releases Say My Name, an iconic anthem Huge. that I was listening to truly 15 minutes ago at the squat rack. J-Lo debuts the dress, the green Versace low-cut dress. Launches Google Images. Yeah. Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston tie the knot this year, 2000. Really? Yes. Which is interesting because Gwyneth Paltrow famously dated famously dated and was engaged to Brad Pitt and they called off their engagement and then just a few years later he is married to Jennifer Aniston and this is also a absolutely massive year for Gwyneth because she is coming off of the high of winning best actress at the 1999 Oscars which um fun fact for the group Shakespeare in Love changed the way that Oscars worked. It was a huge upset that year that it won Best Actress, Best Picture. Saving Private Ryan was supposed to win all of that. But Harvey Weinstein, um, evil man, was like, no, it's going to be Shakespeare in Love. Huge, huge campaign. And it won. It like swept up that year. And still to this day, everyone like regards that as like a really historic moment in Oscar history. 
And Gwyneth Paltrow is sort of the face of that um, because she won the Best Actress that year and thanks Harvey Weinstein first and foremost in her beautiful Ralph Lauren pink dress. But it was a mandate for all these actresses at this point and beyond, I guess, up until 2017 to thank Harvey Weinstein, correct? Yeah, they had to. And I think there would be like hell to pay if they didn't bring him up. And then fast forward to the Me Too movement. Gwyneth was one of the first people that jumped on the phone with... Oh my God. The New York Times? The New York Times, yeah. This is a huge deal because... Gwyneth Paltrow is Harvey Weinstein's biggest star. He like credits himself for her entire career. And she did have an awful experience with him when she was just 22 years old. And she credits Brad Pitt for him like backing the fuck off her because... Can you re-walk us through? I don't think I remember. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's really dramatic. So, and this also does lend itself to explaining kind of the origins of her career. And because she really was like a big, big time it girl in this moment. So... Gwyneth Paltrow is 22 years old, and she gets the lead role in Emma, the Jane Austen adaptation. It was a star-making role. This was not. This was going to be the thing that takes her from like an actress to a movie star. Weinstein had seen her in something else, and as soon as she's hired, he invites her to his suite at the Peninsula Beverly Hills Hotel for a meeting. And then, as we know, his signature thing, he tries to invite her into his bedroom to exchange massages. She gets upset, leaves. And was, like, very confused by his advances. And she immediately goes and tells this story to her then-boyfriend, Brad Pitt, who, at a 1995 Broadway opening of Hamlet, tells Harvey, quote, if you ever make her uncomfortable again, I'll kill you. And he never did. And she talks the about... The power of Brad Pitt during that time. She's she's gone on record to say what he did was he leveraged his fame and power to protect me at a time when I didn't have fame or power yet. And that's so true. He like re- he was a huge name in this moment. And Harvey Weinstein was very angry. He like called Pal- Paltrow after this to be like, how dare you? But the result was that... Never again. Yeah, that was never... That like wasn't on the table. By coming on the record with Angelina Jolie and um, a few other women who were like all A-list actresses, she really did a huge thing for the Me Too movement and making sure that Harvey Weinstein can never do this again. So yeah, Emma was really her breakout role. It's so unfortunate that it must be tinged with this like horrible moment, horrible person for her. But she had met Brad Pitt on the set of Seven, which they starred in together. Then Emma came in 1996. Sliding Doors came in 1998. A Perfect Murder and and a challenge mr ripley that was 1999 so oh, that wow. yeah so that we are this profile is in 2000 so everyone had just seen her in talented mr ripley which she starred alongside jude law and matt damon and no three people have ever looked better in the world no ever 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 in oh. the history of cinema in the days of our lives those three in that movie it is bananas beach just tanning She's, it was the white lotus before the white lotus it was it was it was completely. really the precursor yeah 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 so that's when we catch her that's like what's been going on in her career let's just kick it off should we kick it off yeah headline is today belongs to gwyneth and then it reads gwyneth paltrow is the uber it girl her cool beauty and trend-setting power magnified by hollywood stardom over lunch michael schneerson learns about the two hardest years of paltrow's life with the heartbreaking end of her engagement to Brad Pitt, her grandfather's death, and the cancer that threatened her father, Bruce Paltrow. And the reason for her determination to make duets directed by her father and bounce opposite ex-boyfriend Ben Affleck. 
It really lays it all out, doesn't it? I know. <laughs> it reads like a table of contents. Yes. The writer, Michael Snarrison, is a journalist and contributing editor at Vanity Fair. He's the author of several books, and he's written so, 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 so many Vanity Fair stories. He's been there since like 1986. So wow. he's seen like all the stars do everything. Just like a very seasoned journalist. And clearly, I think a talented interviewer because... So much of this profile, as we kind of gathered in the subhead, is really sensitive. She's having a very hard time. The engagement with Brad Pitt ended, broke up with Ben Affleck after that. Her dad has cancer. Her grandfather just died. And she comes across as very vulnerable and open. And I feel like that takes a very skilled person to get that out of someone. And very likable. Yes. Yes. Which I was going to say before we proceed, temperature check, kind of where are you at in the Gwyneth Paltrow universe what's your relationship or parasocial relationship to her just Uh, as a consumer okay as a consumer i liked her pre-goop which of course we'll get into Mm -hmm. but i thought that she was a very talented actress she does really have a beauty it's like this all-american beauty it's radiating right yeah it is i did what about you she did glee oh yes Yes, I know. Did you watch Glee? Oh, yeah. Any, like, musical theater kid worth their salt was a Gleek or, like, a fan? I had a I had a tumultuous relationship with Glee because it is based on my high school. How have you held out on me with this I'm like, I was waiting to reveal on the pod. <laughs> no, Matthew Morrison went to our high school and, like, remained very close to the high school, which my high school, the way that it was founded is it used to be a Glee club and then they turned it into a performing arts high school. It was, like, a weird... It was a strange thing. Also, Glee- Ivana was a was formerly a child star. And Beatrice was also formerly an opera star. Oh my God. No, I would not go that far. I think <laughs> I you also wouldn't go that far. You were far, far closer to the big time than I ever was or could be. <laughs> I know. I do feel like You maybe- flirted with, with fame and fortune. I, flir- I flirted with it in that I went to one commercial audition after that one singular professional commercial that I retired from the uh, field of acting at the tender age of like 14 and a half. So... But you were, you had the raw talent, baby. You could have gone all the way. And I did love Shakespeare. And I think that's a part of the reason that I had such a, an affair with Shakespeare in love because I was like, oh, yes. This is the kind of high level work that I love to see on the big screen. <laughs> I love when the spotlight shines too brightly. You have to bring it back to the purpose of the podcast. You cannot like, no, just no, let no. it go. I was like, okay, I was famous. <laughs> no, I was I was nowhere near famous. But I do think that it's a useful disclaimer because we both have background in the performing arts, I guess. Yeah. And I feel like that's useful to mention, but we both chose to leave them very much of our own volition. No, we weren't beaten down. And I think that's why we still have like a love affair and affinity. Like we're not jaded in any way no and i do really have a respect for those people that went all the way with it oh, because i yes. as soon as i saw what that would require and as, as as soon as i saw what it would look like in all the years before you make it i said not for me you have to want it so badly and you have to love it so much and i think that's the conclusion i came to was like I just don't know if I love this enough. Mm-hmm. Like that felt like immediately clear to me. I think that's why the nepotism, the nepo baby, I hate even using the phrase nepo baby. I, I think know. it's already so worn out, but I think that's why the nepo baby discourse has been what it has been because a lot of people have come to the realization of like, okay, wait, if you're going to do this without any bolster, any platform, it's just so incredibly difficult to climb the rungs of the ladder to the top. Then if you get like a crane 
It makes a huge difference. Yes. Gwyneth really did get a crane. Mm-hmm. Gwyneth's godfather is Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Helicoptered into the industry. <laughs> I know. I know. She really did all the things that New York Mag, right? That's the Nepo Baby piece where they kind of tracked um, some of the classical Nepo Baby moves, which involves attending Crossroads, which is like a very fancy school in Santa Monica, or attending Spence in New, New York. York. Gwyneth went to both. Like, so what are these schools, just to give a quick background? They're just like where celebrities send their children. Obviously, they give you an incredible education. They're very renowned. Can you conjure like a, a gossip girl situation? Or is it more, even more tailored and like bespoke than that? The What, what school are they? St. Jude's Saint, and Jude's, yeah. something else. It is something like that. It's like, you know, incredible education um, in a very snazzy part of town and... If you look at some of the graduating classes that a lot of these, it's like the names you will see are wild and therefore like opportunities, of course, arise from that. So the profile opens. They're going to have lunch. She's bringing lunch to him. It opens with, it's not every star who, when you invite her to lunch, brings lunch for the two of you. He goes on to kind of describe her. She, of course, walks in, pulled back ponytail, not a trace of makeup. And he writes, up close, Paltrow's beauty is both more natural and more complex than it seems on screen. Her skin is cream with just a touch of coffee, flecked with a few light freckles. The planes of her face are clear cut. Her gaze is direct. We never describe anyone with this kind of detail anymore. I know. How intimidating or just daunting must it have been for a star to show up to an interview like this and know that they are going to literally dissect every element of your facial structure. Yes. Yeah. Your facial structure, like your complexion, your Your facial structure, like the sheen of your hair. It's then she like brings over the Dean and DeLuca bag, food enough for six. Yes, you'd say, even if the contents were everything you'd ever hated to eat, that's exactly what I want. What's funny about this, I think, is you can tell already that he doesn't want the lunch that she's brought. (laughs) It seems healthy, which makes so much sense. She's had a strong personal brand for healthy, healthy, healthy food. I love, I love also, this feels a little bit spice of the MIA profile, where the first time she speaks is to say... I've had a really difficult year, explains Paltrow, as we both help ourselves to grilled shrimp, brown rice, and marinated green beans. 25 and 26 were the most difficult years of my life. This from the newly acquired vantage point of 27. (laughs) (laughs) It's not nasty. And I have to say, really looking at this, because when I was looking for profiles of this era of similar kind of caliber stars, the Julia Roberts, a lot of them are so incredibly sexist and brutal like questions that they asked are inappropriate and embarrassing something that like would make your skin crawl ivana sent me this pull-out quote from a julia roberts profile that she read and it was said quite literally do you think a pretty woman encouraged young girls to move to hollywood and become whores and she was like are you kidding and he's like no (laughs) that's a serious question you better answer it yeah really uncomfortable stuff and i really have to hand it to michael that At no point in this profile is he doing the same thing that a lot of his peers were doing at this time. No. It's really respectful and kind. He doesn't seem like he wants to have sex with her. No. Which is really nice. Yeah. It's so refreshing. Oh my God, it is so... For this era, I was like, what a breath of fresh air. The sexual attraction that's palpable in so many of these profiles also comes from this very antagonistic point of view. It's like goading the the female star to impress the male journalist. Oh, that is exactly 
it. It's like, dance for me. Yuck. Scary. So this is where we get the sense that she has been going through a lot, and she has. To kind of break down everything that happened, we have the well-documented romance with Brad Pitt, breaking off the engagement. Then she gets involved with Ben Affleck. Which I did not remember. I know, me neither. For the neither. life of me. And they, he is quoted in this piece, um, but very sweetly, in the sweetest way possible. And... The difference between the Pitt breakup and the Affleck breakup is that her and Pitt, like, had to part ways, and her and Affleck remained immediately friends and then did a movie together. Um, And she actually got him the part. She was like, you need to play opposite me in this plane crash rom-com. What's funny about Ben Affleck, and I was just listening to him and Matt Damon on a podcast talking about this, because they're promoting that movie, Air, that they're working on together. Every project that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon do just seems like an excuse for them to hang out. I mean, what is this podcast if not an excuse for us to hang out? (laughs) I know, I I completely understand. We are the Boston Boys, we're the Boston Brothers. I know. They were talking about the fact that why is Ben Affleck under so much more scrutiny than Matt Damon at any given point? And Matt Damon willingly admits... If you date another celebrity, you're opening yourself up to an absolute whirlwind of trouble. He says your fame not only doubles, it quintuples. It is a huge ordeal. And Ben has always gravitated towards the powerful woman in entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Like some of the most powerful women. Truly. I think Jennifer Garner was like sexiest woman alive when they were dating. Like it was very that. That, I remember them. Oh, they were in the tabloids every Every night. Understandably. Every I know. He he remains a part of her life um, in a very sweet way in this like difficult moment because when she was in Italy shooting Talented Mr. Ripley, she got word that her grandfather, who she's really, really close to, and she talks about in her Oscars acceptance speech, he was diagnosed with cancer. And then six weeks later, she found out her father was diagnosed with cancer. And so she is in this like real moment of despair where she's shooting this movie She is away from her family and she's realizing that, like, it's, like, grave. Her dad recovered at the point that they're writing this profile. He's since passed away. And she kind of describes the sadness of seeing her dad be changed by surgery and by this treatment. The whole process is, like, so hard and it's so difficult to know how to be there for people and to, like, watch them, especially when you're young see the deterioration yeah it's and um her dad was um a successful television writer director he's best known for saint elsewhere and her mom blythe danner who everyone absolutely recognizes even if you don't know the name yeah yeah she was on broadway in butterflies are free and she won a tony uh, <laughs> a tony award for that she's just like very well respected it seems in the industry if this to me was the most interesting part ben affleck brings up how this moment influenced Gwyneth to strike up a totally new relationship with her health. Watching these people be sick made her feel like way more aware of her body and the way she was treating it and what she needed to do differently. And then was like, I need to be healthy. I need to eat really, really well. I need to like meditate, yoga, like all of those things, which now is like her complete and total brand. I mean, it would have been pretty revolutionary at this point. I think about someone like Posh Spice's autobiography, which was literally like that she was eating. I shouldn't say Posh Spice. I should say Victoria Beckham. (laughs) God, wow, that really aged me. I was thinking about Victoria Beckham's autobiography at this point that came out, I think in the early 2000s of her just like in the grips of a, a pretty intense eating disorder, running miles every day, only eating the smallest amount of grilled chicken 
And it seems like Gwyneth approaches this from a real holistic perspective. So it's not about just like being the skinniest version of yourself or so it seems at this point. Yeah. She's literally like, how can I benefit myself? Body, mind, spirit. This is like the era of Kate Moss. Oh yeah. Um, People were just like doing coke and smoking like, cigarettes. Like smoking cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting how all those hard partiers have, have truly aged. Yeah. And I'm just so curious. I'm just fascinated to see how this generation is going to look in 20 years. I know. Between like the preemptive Botox. The, the tretinoin. Yes, the tretinoin, <laughs> the retinols, like the 14-step skincare routine. Yeah. The gluten-free, paleo. Gut health thing. Yeah. yeah, totally. And like everyone's talking about balancing their hormones. Oh my God, I have not thought about that. Hopefully we're all gorgeous. No, I, I mean, we're working we're gonna be so hard. Absolutely gorgeous. Oh, okay. Well, that feels good. That's a, a wonderful note, note to, to end on. <laughs> that is a wonderful note to end on. <laughs> so her and Ben, he comes up in this profile because she's sort of promoting two movies at once. Duels, which is directed by her dad and Brad Pitt was initially supposed to star in, but then he dropped out after the engagement. Wait, duels or duets? duets but it's a typo in the profile it says duels no it says duels in the profile oh my god here's me trying to call you oh my out god. and trying to absolutely take you down it's vanity fair that needs to be called oh, out wow the fact copywriter that duels actually i have to say there was also there's multiple mistakes there's, there's a couple errors in here wow well, that's fine that's fine nobody's perfect and we know that more than anyone <laughs> okay duets what is duets about just quickly i don't know karaoke battle no it's not it's it's um let me read you the description because i also was really struck by the description of bounce which is the other movie that she's promoting okay give me the synopsis of both a collection of disparate but equally damaged characters desperate disparate oh like disparate disparate yeah okay Dis yeah 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 okay why am i being so mean i'm being i'm like can you lay <laughs> We get into a fight on camp. No, actually, I'm having a really hard time. I'm like a collection of despair. Of dis. Wait, disparate is how you say it. I've always said it disparate. That sounds like desperate. I know, but pull up a how to say pronunciation. Disparate. Okay, here we go. Ready? No. You're fucked and you're fired. Right. Keep it moving. <laughs> Keep it moving. Okay, so they're traveling to Omaha, Nebraska to perform in a karaoke competition with the grand prize of $5,000. I think this already sounds bad. Yeah, no, it's it has a yeah, it has a twenty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And yeah. then bounce, bounce is a very strange kind of rom com. Okay, I'm gonna just read the synopsis for this one too because it's interesting. Okay, an advertising executive falls in love with a young widow, but fails to tell her that he was partially responsible for her husband's death. Oh. Having sold an airline ticket to a stranger, the successful businessman later learns that the flight crashed, killing the man whom he sold his seat. A year later, he finds the man's widow, the pair form a loving relationship, but his guilt proves too much to bear. So it's like what happens in the movie, because I watched part of it to prep for this episode, <laughs> is that Ben Affleck wants to sleep with a stewardess. And so he like gives his ticket to a man and then that plane goes down and he then joins um, Alcoholics Anonymous and is a part of his like 12th step, like atonement step. Making he, amends. Yeah. He goes to make amends with um, his widow because he feels responsible and then he falls in love with her. Okay, this is better. I'm I'm, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, no. What's this the is rating? Fifty three. Oh, okay. Tomatoes. Yeah, there you go. So we're we're improving. We're improving. Um, and that, yeah, this does is, that not just feel like so the era right now? Yes. Where there were so many plane crashes. Yeah, like Aaliyah died. Oh my god! And this was two thousand. This was one year before. Yeah, and yeah. the plane crash. It was on the mind. Yeah. When did Aaliyah go down the plane? Two thousand one. 
2001. Oh my god, August 25th. 22 years old. Um, 22. That makes me sick. 22. 22 years old. Oh, I hope she's in peace. I know she is. She is. I don't know if you remember that movie, Josie and the Pussycats. I mean, how could you forget? Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in a really long time, though. (laughs) Do you remember the boy band in Josie and the Pussycats that all died in a plane crash? All that got paralyzed and came out in cars? Yeah, I do. Do you reckon we can play like 10 seconds without being copyrighted? I think so. Nobody tell anyone, okay? Nobody. This is a secret between us and you. <laughs> because the song is so good. Du jour. You got me crazy. love you soon. I'm your God, I am bopping. Wow. I am just bopping and moving and shaking. Oh my God. How funny. <laughs> Back you know what? Lover. I said that this episode was going to be loose and it is. Oh, this is we're <laughs> this playing is this loosest. fast and loose. We are playing this fast and loose. This is the loosest we've ever been. We're audibly typing, looking things up, playing videos, reading, <laughs> having a full vocab test. <laughs> but yeah, so bounce the, the strange airplane crash rom-com. When she was like, Ben Affleck has to play the other role. Everyone thought we were crazy, Paltrow says with a grin. But I thought it would be such a great role for him. And just as a friend, watching his career, he's so good when he buckles down and does something that requires something serious from him. Which, which I kind of think is a juicy quote. It's kind of fun. But I also think it's the sounds like the least serious movie in the world. It's like, <laughs> I don't understand. And then the director is also quoted in saying, like, they were such an easy couple and they seem to know each other's families he asked them if they were dating and they were like where have you been we've been broken up for two months honestly i think bold to do this but it just seems like they really seem to get along just so friends. well yeah he writes paltrow's opinion did matter a lot to affleck he speaks of his ex in somewhat odd tones as the first woman in his life who has become a confidant in the way that his male friend confidant <laughs> what? <laughs> what is wrong with me <laughs> No, you're right, though. Okay. But I think confidant... No, 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 no. Yeah, we confide in a confidant. He speaks of his ex in somewhat odd tones. As the first woman in his life who has become a confidant in the way that his male friends, such as fellow actor Matt Damon, are. And having weathered the breakup with mutual respect, put them in a perfect position to do good work together. And then he's quoted as saying, We didn't have the pressure to get along, thinking people would imagine they were seeing the real-life relationship on screen. At the same time, we had the advantage of working with a sense of trust. And Paltrow, he knew, would keep him on his toes. There are times when you might fall back on certain tricks. I just knew I couldn't do that with Gwyneth. I knew that she'd see that and would have no problem with telling me to stop fucking around. (laughs) I love that Ben really thinks he's a very serious actor. Yeah, me too. I mean, he was great in... Wait, 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 wait. Maybe Goodwill Hunting is like... Yeah, he was really good in that. Yeah. He, I, he was totally believable as like a Boston townie. Oh, he was good in Gone Girl. He was good in Gone Girl. We have to admit. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, Rosamund Pike was better, obviously, but... Yeah, he was fine. Yeah, he was fine. Yeah. He was great in his marriage to JLo. <laughs> so good in the role. After Bounce Wrapped, this is where we like start to see the the signs of her wellness career budding um, because she would go on to launch Goop eight years later. He writes, Michael, that is. She returned to New York and her new apartment and began seriously slacking off. For her, that meant Ashtanga yoga six times a week, daily meditation, and a renewed attention to eating well, 
which includes cooking up a storm for her friends, most of whom she's had since grade school. And then this is when Affleck talks about, it doesn't take Freudian analysis to see that her grandfather's death made her decide to get even more healthy than she was. She's not wheatgrass and kelp, but it's very clean, very lean. She's always telling me I'm going to get cancer from diet soda, not to mention cigarettes. Me sipping a Diet Coke. I know. I'm like, whoop. (laughs) Oh my, no, I love the stuff. I love the stuff. If I'm going to die on anything, it's going to be a diet. I know. I actually desperately want one. Okay, we're back. Diet Coke in hand. Diet Coke in hand. I read that quote and I said, oh my God, I need one. And you had offered me one before we began recording and I refused multiple times. Isn't that just a testament to the backfiring of Gwyneth's message? Everyone's like, wait, Gwyneth says it's bad. We need it. I need that. I want that. It's like how I had the biggest meal ever while watching there was a recent clip of her that went viral where she described her daily eating habits which involve basically just a few cups of liquid she talks about how she intermittent fasts until midday yeah midday has like only coffee before then and then for lunch she'll often have bone broth and that is it and then for dinner some like boiled vegetables basically it sounds like such a miserable life oh my god i would be also no protein I was watching that and I had this absolutely massive plate. Chicken, fried rice, like I have a chicken waffle waiting for me back home, which I'm going to have. I really can't imagine living like that. Not eating it. It's not a way to live. No, it's not a way to live. And she did come out and basically say, this is just what's worked for her. And it's been very powerful and very positive. Um, And then she's quoted as saying, this is not to say I eat this way all day, every day. And by the way, I eat far more than bone broth and vegetables. I eat full meals. And I also have a lot of days eating whatever I want. You know, eating French fries and whatever. They love to throw a French fries Oh my God. It's like the the Bella Hadid. My favorite snack is pizza every day. And it's like, what are you talking about? Can I make one revelation? Yes. I interviewed a girl who basically told me the reason for her weight loss was that she'd reduced her calories down to 1,200. And no, then she was doing- Not two enough a, for an infant. Not enough for an infant, not enough for a toddler. You're right. And then she was doing two-a-day workouts. So she was like doing Pilates in the morning and then like sprints at night. She told me all of this. The publicist then immediately emailed me after and said, like, you cannot publish that. And I was like, I won't. It's dangerous. It's harmful. Your period's going to stop. Your hormones are going to be out of whack. Yeah. Like, it just, you just can't keep that up. And I recently watched a Vogue Get Ready With Me video with her Mm. and she was eating French fries. If you're listening and you're not in the industry and you see this kind of stuff and you feel... They're not eating it. They're not eating it. It's truly, 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 truly a farce. No, this is their full-time job and often it involves starving yourself and exercising to extreme degrees. It's not a sustainable thing. It's not like you cannot upkeep... You cannot upkeep that. Jesse Metcalf once said to me, to remind you, Jesse Metcalf was the gardener on Desperate Housewives, so had like the sickest body in the game. Oh, and John Tucker must die. And right? John Tucker must die. John Tucker. He said to me, you cannot look like that year round. And honestly, it's kind of saved me emotionally, physically, mentally, because he said maintaining that body was the most difficult undertaking of his career. And it was just so, it's just impossible to upkeep year round because your body fluctuates. You need to bulk, you need to cut or whatever. You're just like in a different period, you're eating differently or you're traveling or whatever. Or you're stressed. Wow. Let us free you, please. Let us free you. Because it's liberate you. No, that's why I have seven sizes of jeans that I fluctuate through. It's just normal. It really is normal. Oh, important. Important. Yeah, important. Okay, we brought it home. And speaking of travel, 
Gwyneth is a big traveler. I thought it was so sweet that her friends go on record to say that she treated them to a trip to St. Bart's. I can't wait till you take me to St. Bart's. Oh, I'm taking you. I'm <laughs> taking you straight away. Yeah, it seems like she's just like traveling the world with her elementary school best friends. Well, it's she, the first time she's been single, right? Like she's... Yeah, yeah. I love the way that he talks about how she's in a distinctly non-boyfriend phase. They do officially, like for the first time in the profile, get into dating actors... He's quoted as saying, dating actors has proven difficult, but civilians tend to get overwhelmed by the life. This is when she gets into the breakup with Brad. But she talks about how seriously, this was something that they talked about a lot in their relationship when they got engaged, how they were both coming into this very seriously and they really care about the institution of marriage. She says, I try to remember as I hear about friends getting engaged that it's not about the ring. It's not about the wedding. It's a grave thing getting married. And it's easy to get swept up in the wrong things, you know. And listen, I would have two at one time in my life, but it's a big deal. They even tell you that it is, right? It's not to be entered into lightly. That's such a powerful takeaway that we never hear. I know. We never hear this side. No, I agree. I think, I thought this was refreshing. Like, especially to go on record and say this, I think it would be, you know, those pull out things that Entertainment Weekly does where it's like, Gwyneth Paltrow goes off on former engagement to Brad Pitt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But it just seems like she's being very realistic. Yeah. She's bang on. I mean... The catch-all term for it has obviously been settling, but I think so many people are so excited about the prospect of a ring and a party and a dress, and then thinking about the aftermath doesn't really click in until it's all said and done. Yeah. And then you're kind of like, okay, here I am, like in a, I'm under contractual obligation to another human being. I mean, this is just such a lovely side to hear. And for anyone who, again, is, yeah, feeling pressured, it's going to happen when it happens. Yes. It becomes clear also that she doesn't, think of herself I actually I would love to know how you feel about this because it is a time another time-honored tradition when the hottest most popular girl in the world loves to describe her childhood as like I was a big nerd nobody liked me I I sort of I maybe believe her when she talks about how she really sees herself as like a 14 year old um, short with blonde hair shaved off the back and a shelf cut wearing braces She's quoted as saying, I never, ever look at myself and say, what a pretty girl. Never, she claims. I mean, I've grown into myself and I like myself now, but I didn't then. And I never think I'm fabulous or beautiful. I think I'm okay. I've never related to a quote more. Really? I absolutely see myself in in that era of like being 13. Even when I, if I see a photo that I like of myself, I think that's a character, that's a moment in time. I feel that exact same like dissonance. I think everyone has that in them, you know, no matter what anyone's telling you, I think it's really hard to dissociate from that identity that you built in pre-adolescence. Maybe you were bullied or, you know, maybe you had a quirk that wasn't you know, aligned with the beauty standard at the time, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah, it's difficult to to let that go. I feel like I hold on to my identity as the class clown even now. Oh. My Joker hat on. I'm dingle dangling in front of absolutely <laughs> everyone. Um, I know. Do you know anyone who who is beautiful who identifies as such? I do. Stop. Yeah, I feel like I do. I do too. Yeah. I do too. And she's a model. And she should be. Yeah. And she she should should be. be. There's been like a few conversations in my life where I've met someone who's like, I know what I know what I look like. Then it gets into the whole like Emrata thing where it's like, I'm beautiful, but there's more to me. And you've never been ogled for something you had no part in. Beauty, but the price is high. Yeah. It's a complicated thing. And it's clear that Gwyneth 
is there. But then in other ways, she does think of herself as more than just that gawky 14-year-old because she also goes on to say, like, right after this, that she knew as a girl of five that she would one day be a star. Her quote is, I've known my whole life that this was going to happen to me in some way, she says of her career. Candid. Yeah. This is when we get into the more Nepo baby of it, which I, this is like my favorite part of this profile, the most delicious part, I think. And I would say even the photos, which obviously you can't see, but let me describe them to you. Please. This is like Nepo baby of the highest order. We're not talking low hanging fruit here. She is in like leather gloves in the countryside in like upstate New York. Gorgeous Ralph Lauren, perfect hair. There's um, one photo where she just is inexplicably in a thong yeah. on what seems to be like a a riding pant of sorts yeah. as if she's just about to just hit the saddle. <laughs> yeah. And like sitting in a gorgeous drawing room wearing a beautiful dress. Very old money. It's very old money. It's it's like Gatsby-esque. Michael the writer bravely brings up that this predestined fame, this idea of like, you know, this was always going to happen has a lot to do with her family. She grew up like in this Hollywood tight-knit insider circle. Of course, like I feel like this is the story of every young starlet. It's like she performed at a... talent show and and her parents knew at that moment like she's in it to stay yeah and what i love about that little snippet is that christian slater is her lead oh my god yeah her co-lead yeah i know which again goes into the crossroads like spence magic you're on the fast track after growing up in la she moved to new york so that she could attend one of like manhattan's best private schools this is where we talk about her like cool girl past She says, sometimes I was cool and sometimes I wasn't. She was the shortest girl in the class, she says, and she didn't begin to get breasts until 15 or 16. (laughs) Levi's, cowboy boots, and a white t-shirt. Long hair, not a lot of makeup, which, yeah, seems like a pretty cool girl to me. (laughs) Seems like a pretty cool girl to me. That's actually what I'm trying to wear every day and can't seem to find or pull off. (laughs) She had like a small rebellious phase where she was sneaking wine coolers from local Korean delis and getting grounded when her parents would catch her. That does seem like a rite of passage for anyone who grew up in Manhattan. Oh my God, yeah, You just grow up so fast. Yeah. After high school, she had a few roles like in the acting space. She went to theater camps and then she applied to college. Unfortunately, she did not get in anywhere. Only with a little intervention from actor Michael Douglas, a close family friend, did she get into University of California, Santa Barbara, which is Douglas's alma mater. So then she went back out west to go to UCSB, famous party school. Very famous party school. Then she realized that the classes at UC Santa Barbara were big and she was like, I'm not going to do this. And so she drops out. And at that point, she a little bit of luck came in from her family connections. Yeah, so she was getting rejected a lot. She was auditioning. She was losing out on pretty much every part that she was going for. Yeah. Um, and then one night in L.A., she went to go see Silence of the Lambs with her father, Steven Spielberg, and Kate Capshaw. Basically, Spielberg, out of the side of his mouth, was like, oh, did you maybe want to play Wendy and Hook? And she said, of course I would. And then she got like one of her first big parts in a Steven Spielberg movie. And then Paltrow was put in touch with an agent at CAA. He This is where the elephant in the room finally yeah, comes up. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, when are we going to talk about the fact that Steven Spielberg, Michael Douglas, two A-list film industry veterans yeah. have been associated with Gwyneth Paltrow before Like a 17-year-old Gwyneth Paltrow. A 17-year-old Gwyneth Paltrow. And it's like, this is the point where we yeah. finally get to the crux of the issue, which is Nepo Baby I know. energy. Yeah. 
But then that summer, Paltrow got another family-assisted break. She played the lead role opposite her mother in a Williamstown production of William Inge's Picnic, and then impressed her father enough for him to be like, yes, okay, you can pursue acting. Like, you are good enough that you will pursue acting. She got Flesh and Bone in 1993, which is the movie that Harvey Weinstein saw her in and was like, she needs to be. I need her in my next thing. Wow. Um, so, yeah, she talks about acting. But she, like, sat in on some workshops. But, you know, it's, <laughs> it's whatever. She kind of had what she had, and she went with it. They describe her as auditing these acting classes because yeah. she wouldn't participate. I don't personally need this, but... You guys go crazy. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Really, her big break was that Weinstein started sending her scripts after seeing that movie. Emma happened, and it was big. Everyone absolutely loved it. All the reviews were like, she's darling. She's perfect. She shines through the screen. And then she started making real money, it sounds like. Yeah. Because until this point... She was in indies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Which, smaller budget films. What do you get paid for, for that? Is it like the 300K mark, I'm assuming? I think it really ranges. Because she describes a big budget check as being you know five million dollars yeah which i mean now i don't think sounds so i'm curious as to what she would have been making i know on the indie films but it is absolutely insane and this was like a fun fact from this profile that julia roberts at this time she was getting 20 million for a movie which it's 20 so million crazy. in the 90s early 2000s can you imagine adjusted for inflation yeah I don't even want to oh imagine. my god she has like a little biting quote where she says although they've been very good to me harvey probably can't sleep at night thinking about how much he's paying me I know. I love that she said she's trying to forge ahead for all the women. Yeah. She really negotiated that salary. She negotiated that raise. Yeah. Especially like a starting out actress. Yeah. Starting out, but hanging from the but crane. Hey, yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love how he also gives a lot of credence to her relationship with Brad Pitt. It really sounds like a strong, loving relationship. Yeah. I mean... I mean, I didn't know the age gap was so big. I didn't either. He was 31, she was 22, but they had this beautiful connection. And when they became engaged, she was publicly vowing to start a family immediately. And then yeah. the breakup came. Okay, no one knows why they broke up, but she has publicly taken credit the blame. for it. Yeah, she's like, it was totally me. Like, yes. I had a lot to work through and I didn't work through it. And Brad was an angel and I was not. And she's maintained that. I mean, I think I read yeah. an interview with her recently that was like, he was the one that got away, so to speak. Like, yes. I really fucked that up. I think she might have cheated. There has to be. No. I think so. I think that maybe the subtext that I was getting was that she was just like, didn't know herself, just put like way too much stock into the relationship or like way too much of herself in there. She says, I think you have to keep yourself intact in order mm -hmm. to have a healthy relationship. And I didn't. I loved every second of it, but it wasn't healthy. But yeah. I wouldn't change anything, even the things I hate the most about myself for what happened the darkest moment of it, I wouldn't change because it's made me... She cheated. Oh my God, alleged. Say allegedly. Oh no, <laughs> allegedly. In my opinion, from my perspective, if you were saying this line, even the things I hate most about myself for what happened, the darkest moment of it, I wouldn't change. It's gotta be. Can I can I get into their little timeline? Because I find it very sweet. I'll be Please. quick. So they met on the set of Seven in 1994. He was quoted in Rolling Stone saying that like as soon as he saw her, I knew immediately, I'll tell you that much, he said, I got within 10 feet of her and I got goofy. I couldn't talk. And then during his acceptance speech in 1996, the last thing he said, he thanked... Especially the love of my life, my angel, Gwyneth Paltrow. So, yeah, he loved her. Yeah. He loved her. And they, so they did it for two years before he um, proposed to her in Argentina. And then six months later, they were broken up. Oh my God. I know. But I do want to say that there is the notable moment 
in pop culture history where they debuted the same haircut. I know. Who could forget? I it's know. It's the Karen haircut as well. Yeah. Side swoop with the back spike. And they went to the same stylist. They went to Chris McMillan. Same stylist, same cut. She really... I really like it. I really like the two blondes. I like the two blondes together. <laughs> it's fun. It's it is fun. fun. I know. And it really did seem like it was a true heartbreak. They are the Aryan American dream, though. I know. It's in a scary way. In a scary the way. The two of those, yeah. My oh, God. Oh, good Lord. Um, And she talked about how it really changed my life, Paltrow said quietly. When we split up, something changed permanently in me. My heart sort of broke that day, and it will never be the same. (sighs) But now she's with a producer from Glee, so... Another Brad. Another Brad. Yeah, the real Brad. She ended up with the right Brad. And he is a wife guy, through and through. Cute, and he posts every year on her birthday, like... My queen, Gwen, you are the most beautiful. You know, it's like all that. It's all that. Which we love to see. Um, Lunch is over. Yeah, lunch lunch is is over. over. He says it. I love (laughs) to wrap up a profile like the last paragraph. It's over. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I just don't know how much effort he really put into this. Lunch is over. Yeah, that's a quote. That's that's in the profile. He says, lunch is over. She jumps up to clear the table and has to be told almost sternly not to do the dishes. I mean, he's just kind of like, and that's a wrap, folks. I know. The final line, which I thought was sort of poetic, um, he says, as she readies to leave, I realize I've been hypnotized too. To see the classiest young actress of her day as a normal, everyday person who just happened to stop by for lunch. It's an illusion, and yet, in the nicest, most unexpected way, it's not. Yeah. Cute. That that is really cute. Yeah, it feels really, actually, that he really liked her. It gives me Margot Robbie profile vibes without the... The weird, the seediness, yeah, and I the agree. like, and the self indulgence that was that profile. If you can remember, he was always talking about his own connections and how well he knew everyone in the film industry, and that's how he got all his quotes from people who'd worked with Margot that he personally knew. And so it was kind of gross in that way, but it's the same vibe where it's kind of like nothing to see here, like yeah. nothing to see here. We're not going to really crack open this egg and reveal like an inner darkness, even though, I mean, she does give a lot, lot more than Robbie ever did. But when you talk about Sean Mendes being the butter noodle boy of our dreams, like these are two butter noodle girls. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Her career definitely took like a step back starting in 2004 when she started having kids. She was married before consciously uncoupling um, from Chris Chris Martin Martin of Mm -hmm. Coldplay fame. And they had Apple and Moses together. And when she became a mom, which like was something that she was very vocal about wanting to be, she sort of stepped back from acting. And then her triumphant return was really with Goop in 2008. Goop. Which launched as like a newsletter where she would give some of her tips and tricks and you know all her wellness hacks as someone that's been doing this for decades we do have to say that goop has come under fire a number of times for promoting medically and scientifically impossible treatments (laughs) um some of which have harmful consequences the like bee sting therapy was not good the vaginal steaming uh the jade eggs the coffee enemas they this was my favorite though when i was doing research is that they had um a wearable sticker that said body vibes that claimed to rebalance the energy frequency in our bodies, um, which Goop falsely claimed was made of NASA developed materials. Oh my goodness. Um, and so, yeah, they've, they've been embroiled in a number of lawsuits over like women losing jade eggs in their nether regions and, um, just generally promoting 
bad information. <laughs> That's why there's a stipulated difference between health and wellness. This is not in the same family as health. This is the story of wellness this is told the story through Gwyneth Paltrow. But I'm, you know, I'm curious. Where do you stand with her today? Where she's at on trial for skiing, <laughs> for hurting a man on the ski slopes. I don't really think of her. I think when I see a headline involving her, I have a little chuckle. And, oh, there she is. Off she goes again. I just think she's just so funny. I think she's really, really funny. And I, I really respect the fact that she, like, despite, to your point, all this backlash, so many missteps, she continues to double down and thrive. And then you've got someone like Brad who goes on record with Vogue talking about starting a skincare company because he's seen how well you know, quote unquote, Gwyneth has done with it. When it comes to celebrity endorsements or celebrity founded businesses, like she is the gold standard and you can't take that away from her. Like she's an incredible businesswoman. In that sense, I really respect her. I think she's kind of hilarious. And that was evident in choosing the name Apple for her daughter. Like it's really like, yeah. who is now a Chanel model? Talk about of course. third generation nepotism benefits. Yeah. Sorry, she. I think she attended a Chanel show. I don't want to... We'll confirm what there. Apple's up to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Apple. Well, she didn't fall far from the tree, that's for sure. Oh, oh they look so similar. <laughs> they do. They do. They really, really do. And not to compare beautiful blonde women, which we hate to do, but I. she's not a Reese Witherspoon for me in the sense of I'm not extremely impressed and enamored yeah. by her the yeah. way I am with like a Reese who is just so incredibly capable. I love Reese. Gwen I think is super street smart and follows her instincts. Tip my cap to it. I think she's she's cool. She's a cool lady. Yeah, she is a cool lady. I think that's a good way to talk about it. <laughs> it's like exactly where she should be. She's kind of your kooky aunt in a way. And I don't, she? she like can come back from so much. Like, I feel like if Poosh, Kourtney Kardashian's brand, was embroiled in half the amount of stuff that Goop has, oh. it would have to stop existing. But for some reason, Goop, it's like Teflon. Everything just rolls right off. It doesn't matter how many people die. <laughs> They're just like, come on. Allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly die. Allegedly <laughs> Yeah. They're, we're all cool here. So. It is cool. She's California cool. Yeah, I know. And I do think that she's an example of like what it is to be cradled by institutional support. You don't have to worry as much. I was thinking when I was reading this part about her auditioning and getting rejected for like years and years and years, I was thinking, how is she making money? That was where my mind yeah. went. And then I thought, she doesn't, silly, yeah, silly, silly goose, silly yeah. sausage. No. She does not have to worry about making money. I worried for her well-being for, yeah. a, for a second there. It's like waitressing maybe. And yeah, it's it was like, like, no. wait, and I was like waiting for the, the follow-up during that time she made money working in retail mm -hmm. or she worked at a little cafe, whatever. And then I was like, wait, we're never going to see that because she was entirely dedicated to the craft and she had the privilege to do so. Seems pretty Could have been you. Could have been you. <laughs> you should have just tried a little bit harder. I know. You should have hung in a little bit longer. Landed that commercial and changed my family's fate. In an no. alternate universe, in the simulation somewhere, I am interviewing you. Oh my god. I'm sitting here with someone else talking about my interview with Ivana Ryder. Oh my god. Imagine. The starlet. Well... I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, we both know the reality here that this is not in the Pulitzer range for no. either of us. I think she's a solid six. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. That's, it was a bit of fun. Yeah. I told Beatrice this on our Diet Coke break, but I'm aware that this 
that we get chaotic when we look to the past. And I think it's because there's nothing grounding us. No, we have no personal connection to it. We don't remember 2000 particularly. No. (laughs) We feel truly cut loose, like set free. Yeah. I think we're also trying to be very careful with recent events because we also know that you know it. You lived it at the same time we did. So we want to make sure we get everything perfect yeah and i mean this is so nice because this day belongs to gwyneth yeah and it doesn't belong to us yeah exactly (laughs) exactly this is our episodic reminder can you uh, rate review (laughs) and possibly review the podcast i know it really gets the name out there please tell your friends if you're enjoying send hit that share it's not hard it's easy it comes up with a little link for you and it's a great connection point because you can be like hey haven't talked to you in a while Listen to this podcast, thought of you. Yeah, that's good. You don't have to be like, hey, how are you? How's it going? Boring. No. You have to check in on their lives. No. Just just gossip over pop culture. Exactly. That's what all real friendships are based on. Exactly. I love you. I love you, Ivana. I love you, Beatrice. Okay. (laughs) See you next week. I'll be back to the lover. I think that's good. I think that is so good. (laughs) I got it. I'm your best.